Hello and welcome to the Ireland on the Fly podcast about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. Firstly, and before we get on to this week's episode, honourable mention has to go to Ray O'Dwyer from Lismore in County Waterford, who has caught the first salmon of the season that we know of on the fly on the Blackwater on the opening day on February the 1st. He was fishing Carysville Fishery near Formoy, with the river running slightly below normal level for the time of year when he hooked the fish just after noon. It took a tube fly and was fresh in from the sea with sea lice still attached and it weighed six and a quarter pounds. So congrats, Ray. Well done on that first fish of the season. Congrats there. It's great to see Tom, actually, isn't it? The fish. Um, yeah, it is great. Isn't it? Fish really is. Like yeah. But like, as we've been touching on here, every year, well, not every year, but there is sort of, um, it's later every year. Yeah. You know? And yeah, I think the best February. way to put it, I mean, we're into February now. You see that, you know, and I think it's been a while since the Blackwater would have had the first fish. Yeah, I wonder actually. Yeah, I must check that out. When was the mm. last time forward? Like it's um, yeah. ah, look, it gives us anchors <laughs> hope, isn't it? With the opening of the <laughs> season, does. like you know, <laughs> could be in with a chance. Like, um, but look, we'll we'll move on to this week's episode. And I suppose look, the start of the season in Carb is only around the corner. Um, it comes next week, February the fifteenth. So we thought we'd catch <laughs> up with Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll contain myself. <laughs> contain yourself there. <laughs> so we thought we'd catch up with Mike Keady, the carob expert in Irish international angler, to get his insights in getting the most out of spring fishing on the lock, with a focus on duck fly hatch, which is when I suppose the first real numbers of fish are being caught on the fly. Tom, before we hear from Mike, um, so I take it you're looking forward to. <laughs> to yeah, February yeah. 15. I, 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 I might have just jumped the gun there on a bit, all right. Yeah, I can't wait. Really can't wait. Always look forward to it every year. And sure, why wouldn't you? You know, I mean, like, you can get out fishing and you can go out. Um, thing is about it, though, and, and Mike touches on it there, you might go out, but, like, it's just the fact of getting out. You know, it's 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 not, you know, the fishing. The fishing might be all right, but it could be, you know, we're, we're at the mercy, as we always are, but particularly so in February, uh, to the conditions. And if we get drafts bad conditions, I mean, we could have the beast from the east or whatever. It's not going to be, as a fellow used to say around here, it's not going to be a bowl of cherries. So <laughs> you get out, you have your day out, and you look forward to it. But like, I think what's important here, because when we we're discussing it with Mike, we talked, we went a bit further and to the duck fly, which, you know, once the season isn't too far down the line. And mm. what we're looking forward to is when the fish start moving. And I mentioned it to you in it, and you can re you grasp that straight away as well because mm. it's like when you go down to the river, and you start to see to to see fish moving, it it that's that's what's telling you now. Yeah. now I, I always love, like, even whether it's the Blackwater, say I'd be down the Blackwater this time of year um, or onto the shore kind of after Paddy's Day is, yeah, I always find those first few that kind of dour kind of weeks can be like, you know, it's, but then like, but then, like I said, the weather can change. Like it can, you can get a few really mild days. And and Mike and yourself talk about incredible um, fishing you had, didn't you? Um, a couple of years ago around the duck fly, like where it just seemed to come to oh, life. Yeah. yeah, you really can. I mean, like you got to remember. I mean, we're talking when we go on to the duck fly. It's still early in the season. You you know, it's still you know mid March, and you know I think and I mentioned there that when the beast from the east came from a couple of years ago, it's about the mm -hmm. same time. So, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get. But in if you get right conditions, and Mike touches on this as well, mm -hmm. um, if you get in any way mild weather, then suddenly everything can change. Everything mm -hmm. can change. It's the whole thing, the fish start moving. And once you see that, it gets you going. 
But it is the kind of advantage, though, if you're living nearby, isn't it, that if you see, you look out the window and you see the conditions are settled, you know, you do have a chance to get out for a few hours. Because in fairness, the period, the window is still quite short, isn't it, in terms of... It is short. We're touching it there. We said probably two, two and a half weeks at a stretch, maybe three, depending on what generally it's. It's a two-week window, Uh, maybe maybe a small bit more. So, yeah. So, you know, like I I know from Angus used to visit, that would visit from... The UK, you know, if they they come over for a week, let's say take them one of the weeks of the duck fly, there's a good chance that of that, let's say six days fishing, they might only get three or four days. Yeah, but yeah. you know that happens. I mean, like, funny when you said that. I remember when we went to Durness. Funny enough, Mike was with us when we went to Durness in Scotland, and I've been there twice and got a whole week's fishing both 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 trips, and I was chatting to a couple of guys up there who were fishing every year for nearly 20 odd years. And they said, as a rule, you generally lose one or two days fishing up there with the, with the, the gales coming in off the, off the North Atlantic. You just have to expect it kind of like, you that. just expect it. So, Take you know, it's very impossible if you're out in wild water, but that's why, and you touched up there. Yeah. It is an advantage living beside it, you know, but like it's, you know, and we say once you're out in the country, it's kind of look, I mean, you, you've told me of some evening rises on the river beside you. And, you know, like I, I, I'd want to be very lucky to experience something like that because I'm so far away from it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's but, that. you know, it's just on the road from you. It, but it's that kind of thing. You just have to, you put in the errors, you know, if you're lucky enough that you can't put in the errors like that and you, you know, you hit it enough times eventually, yeah. you know, mm. <laughs> a stopped clock is, is right twice a day. Yeah. As they you say. know, if you're there some of the time, yeah. Tell yeah, me this no, actually, do you, um, when you go out in the 15th, do you, are you out with the fly rod? Yeah. Uh, last couple of years, last couple of years, I've done a bit of trolling with the bricking. I suppose it's just the traditionalist in me, just to do a bit. Uh, as a rule, I'd nearly always have done the, the fly rod. But um, and I think this year I'm going to do a bit more because I want to, I want to hone in a bit more. And funny, we discussed this as well with Mike. I, I want to hone in more on my lure fishing, my minky, humongouses, uh, your bully buggers, whatever. I want to try that out more and perfect it because I think there's an art to it. Now, this is the thing. People say, oh, sure, that's only pulling lures. There's nothing to it. Interestingly, people also say that about trolling the bricking and it's it's not the same for trolling the bricking. There's an art. There's It's like everything. There's a right way of doing things and there's the haphazard slapdash way of doing things. Well, on the lure fishing, um, two words, Kate McDonald. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. Like a master of it, like, and look what he's... a master of it, yeah. You know, so, but actually, I did want to ask you about the Brickings. Um, what's, I'm fascinated by, because you've wealth of knowledge on this in terms of the kind of historic stuff. Mm. Was that a traditional kind of time of year that for culturally that the lads that season it open and they'd be out trolling for the Brickings? Yeah, the they would, still done? do. Still do. It's very much part of the Carrop scene. And Brickings, basically, they use minnows. Uh, although bricking probably translates as small trout, yeah. So that's it. That's interesting for the duck, you know. But um, they and it might have been a long, long time ago that it would have been small trout that was used, right? right? Yeah. But definitely for the last hundred or so years, it has been uh, minnows that have been used, and they're trapped, and you keep them, and then you mount them, but you kill them. You don't mount them live anyway. De- uh, live baiting is illegal, but you don't, and you put them on a mount, mm. and you troll them. And yeah, there's been a long tradition of it here. And the professional fishery that ran on the lake here uh, was generally, it was guys fishing with um, with Brickin. And was the early time of the year was kind of the year for catching to 
export to make money. I want. It was now the, the guys would have fished right throughout the year where they could, but the early time of the year was the peak time of the year. Fish, yeah. you know, fish are trying to put on condition. Coming into yeah. the you know spring, there's more food starting to come around. They're, they after spawning, they want to build up condition again, so they're more eager to feed and everything. And okay. you know, I mean, it brings into the whole argument like a sea trout, you know, could feed until July, um, and then you know come into a lake with very little food and wait there till spawning time, just eating haphazardly. Mm. But it puts its condition on in that early part of the spring. Now, a brown trout is a sea trout is a brown trout. We won't get into that, but you know, if you take the lake as such, the same as well. If you imagine the lake to be the sea, they're putting all their condition on up until the summer so that they're going to be in fine fettle for the coming winter. So if that's the way they're going to be feeding more, then it's, it follows through that if you're going to fish for them, that's when it's going to be the most opportunity to have big, big bags, and they wanted big bags. I think I mentioned last year, I don't know whether it was Mike's one or not, but you know, between 19, oh, I, I check it, but nine, in a 10-year period up to the First World War, there was 50 tonnes of trout sold out of Uthrard. You know, legitimately, you know, fish house records put in the train on Uthrard and shipped to Billingsgate. And in one month alone, in February 1911, which was a record year, a record month, there was over a ton of trout in that month alone. And the fishermen were earning over, I think it was five pounds a week. And I put in one of those calculators for present day. And that worked out at over 500 sterling a week. You could understand why they were going. (laughs) Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could big time. I remember hearing a fellow once, somebody asked him why he didn't go to England. Um, Then I lived on the shore of the lake and he just pointed out to the lake, answered your man. He says, that's my England. That's kept me going. Yeah, that's why you didn't have to emigrate. Yeah. Um, Usher, look, we'll hear from Mike Heady now. It's, it's really interesting because, and I learned a lot from it, because you, re- you guys really go into um, detail and kind of the duck fly and um, how it works, how to make the most of it. So, I, you know, it's well worth um, having listened to. I think people get a lot out of this episode. And I first asked Mike if he had done any fishing since the end of last season. Probably the end of the sea. Well, actually, October, because it would have been done a few days up in Lachlan and Constown. So, would have wrapped it up at that there then in early October. So I wouldn't have been fishing at all since actually. You didn't even bother you didn't even bother doing a spot of rainbow fishing around at the mic, no? No, no, I didn't. I kind of got sidetracked onto other things and I'd lift the boats and clean them out. And then you're doing a bit of shooting and then the time has gone by and then the next thing you're back to the fishing again. So what about fly time? Are you doing any fly time? I haven't done a bit this year. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> nothing I, I i said to tom one day i says my problem isn't time flies my, at the minute my problem is actually sorting out me flies i think more so than anything there's flies everywhere so that's a pro i thought i would have started that by now but i haven't but i will now in the next i'd say once the fishing starts you're more into the zone of it and then you kind of get more i i find actually i tie more flies when the fishing is on and you know, Ross, rather than during the winter. I used to one time, but I just kind of completely just kind of got out of that. So I'm kind of more interested now if there was a competition coming up or there was something coming up that you'd actually tie a few flies maybe the week or so before you'd be out in the lake and you'd know what's going on or and you'd tie a few flies then more so then. I'd rather sit down and tie a dozen flies then rather than tie stuff during the winter. But 
Do you get antsy during the winter? Kind of, oh, I can't wait for, you know, the season to kick off again. Or are you sometimes, are you one of the ones that is just glad it's nice to kind of come back to a clean after a bit of a break? Like, mm, No, I'd kind of be busy enough. So like, so I'd be doing a good bit of shooting and that. So then I'd, I think once it kind of, once you come to the tours around the middle of January, third week of January, then you start kind of saying to yourself, yeah, I'm really looking forward now. You'd be kind of buzzing out at the minute to be really kind of gearing up to, to just waiting to start, you know? Yeah, it's, it's funny you should say that because there is something nice about tying a fly with the, the with sort of the the apprehension or the knowledge that you're going to be using it like next week. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Or, or that or the weekend coming up. Kind of hard to motivate yourself, you know, the middle of November when it's a couple of months. Yeah, away. I find in the winter time, you know, you'd have stuff like you'd have certain flies to be working for you kind of all the time or you'd have certain patterns and I suppose you'd have those kind of topped up during the year anyway. Do you know what I mean? Or, you know, I think then you might be leading into, we'd say, probably duck fly, you know what I mean? So you'll be kind of tying a few flies, maybe start of March. You know, you'll be kind of, you'll do a couple of weeks on the lake first, probably trolling or a bit of bricking fishing or a bit of fly fishing, whatever. But, you know, you once, once it comes early March, then you're kind of saying, right, Paddy's day on, you know, it's going to be a bit of fly around, you know, you're kind of more interested then, then you're, you know, once, once that then, you know, once it starts into April, you're kind of saying the olives will be starting now kind of mid April or so, you know what I mean? And you're kind of more into that. And then, you know, and then you have the mayfly kicking in, but you know, you'd always have kind of a few core patterns, but you'd be always tying a few things as well, you know? Tell me this, are those kind of first few weeks, I'm always fascinated with those kind of shadow boxing in a way that was kind of from the 15th up until kind of March in the sense of you're going out, you're casting them, but, you're doing a bit of trolling, but you're not really, you're not really expecting that. And you're just kind of warming up nearly like. Yeah, it's more nice to get out. I think, you know, you see a lot of lads now, 15th, you'll see loads of lads out and three quarters of those lads, you probably won't see them begin till the May flight. You know what I mean? So, you know what I mean? So like, it's, you know, you'd have a core of lads that'll be fishing kind of all the time or nearly every weekend or, you know, all the time. But like, yeah, you'll have a lot of lads that'll get out the first day and, you know, they might go again then till, you know, maybe there's a bit of fly around or, you know what I mean, or into the mayfly, you know. Tom, when do you start guiding? Like, do you get clients this this early, like in February? Uh, yeah, you get a couple of regulars, guys who fish normally, but um, uh, it's, it's you know, there wouldn't be a lot of people around. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to get people to come down because you really don't know what's, what's going to be served up to you. I mean, we've discussed this before with Mike. I mean, we might plan to do a, a day's fly fishing, you know, in February. And you just look and you go, it's, it's not really the day to do it, you know? And that's like, and we, we touched on it there. Like, you know, always have the backup of doing a bit of trolling. And it's just a fact of getting out to, to bring people down. Well, you know this, Mike, you don't know what you're going to get. I mean, like if you arrive down here for some of the days we've been out in February, you wouldn't really want to go out, would you? No, you wouldn't really want to go out. And like, it's, and it's nice when you're near and you're right beside the lake and, it's it's very easy to kind of say right I'll go today or I won't go today you know what I mean whereas if someone has to travel a few hours well you can't really ask them to make that kind of commitment you know what I mean look once like duck fly time you know there's you know there's hatches going on you know there's a bit of fly you're going to get a bit of shelter somewhere in a corner even if it's not great weather lads will probably accept that but you know early season is just kind of it's you can get any kind of weather you know it really is actually just that you said it there we've touched on it twice now already but really uh, if you ask me I mean it's it's great that it's open this early and everything I love and I love being able to get out and I've had some great fly fishing but 
really what we're looking at to, to get into it in earnest, Mike, is probably the duck fly, isn't it? Oh, yeah, duck fly kicks it off, really, you know. Yeah. That comes Paddy's day on, really, you could say. Do you know what I mean? Now, it can, look, it can be so varied, but mm, normally yeah. around, and I went out, like, well, the year before last now, um, I went out on the 19th. It was an afternoon. I think it was a Friday afternoon. I was finished early and I went out, just went out in spec. First few holes I'd done, there was duck fly hatching. There was a couple of fish moving. I think I had three fish in about two hours. And I said, brilliant. I went out on the Sunday. Then it wasn't a great day, but there was plenty, plenty of fly up um, with a friend of ours there, Barry Malai from Kong. And we had a brilliant day's fishing. We had like, we had serious fishing now. We had probably about 10 fish to the boat, I'd say, and lost more. And it was just, and it was only just starting. Like you were in little corners, basically, where there was a bit of flight. And just letting the breeze take you out for 10 or 15 yards in a few corners where there was actually fish active. You went out any further, it was useless. But you know, that can be that way at the start of it. And I just said to Barry, I said, this is going to be brilliant in a few days' time. I said, it's going to be absolutely. I said, a bit of, bit of wind coming the next couple of days, I think. It blew solid for the next yeah. 10 days. And I mean, it was, I actually was talking to a neighbor of mine up the road here. And he said to me, did you ever see the weather like this? He said, and it absolutely destroyed it like the duck fly was practically over by the time the weather settled down again like it was just shows you, you then, know, isn't it Tom as well that the importance of being able to kind of just react like to be there you know you've the conditions are right get out because you don't know what it's going to be like the next day or two like yeah yeah because we had, actually had it like all good few years ago um the duck fly was just about starting. Duck Trader 50 competition was on. Do you remember that, Tom? And then we got terrible weather. And mm. just at the very end of the duck fly, the weather just settled down. We got a real pet day one Saturday. And uh, Tom came down as far as me. And we went out. I was actually waiting for Tom. And I said, Scott, I'd go, I'll just go out potting around the bay. And uh, I had two fish caught by the time Tom arrived. Yeah. Out, we had... We had um, <laughs> We had uh, a brilliant day's fishing, and we actually mm. at one stage we were at, actually out, out in, in one area at one stage, and uh, I got I was I said, oh, we'll move out of here. There's not much happening, and the next thing I I got into a tangle. I says, ah, you fish on there for a few minutes. I just get this sorted. Just so I was getting the tangle sorted. Uh, by the way, that, can I just add that wasn't a question. That was more of an order. <laughs> I think remember right. Oh yeah, we weren't going anywhere. I was able to fish. But <laughs> 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 well, the next thing, Tom's bent into this fish and. We watched him going around the boat. We eventually got him in, and he was just tipping over eight pound. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, class was fantastic. It really was. And it was like that was, we had, a, we had a brilliant day. We were in double figures that day on fish. And like the, the duck fly was practically over, but it's just getting it right is the key thing with the duck fly. Weather is, weather is huge in it. It's absolutely huge. So, what are those conditions that you're ideally looking for? You're ideally looking for mild. West to southwest weather conditions. Um, and ideally coming into the evening time, afternoon, even for the wind to drop drop off completely. And when you say mild, mild Mike, do you mean mild for March? Like, what are you mild for March? Yeah, kind of like we'll say 10 degrees. Do you know what I mean? 10 degrees plus, just about double figures, yeah, suppose, just about yeah. double figures, really. You know, so is that the is that the key? Uh, in that sense, like, and when you see the temperature coming into the double figures. 
that's when you coming into mm. double figures helps for hatches, but like I think they're going, you know, duck fly are resilient enough, they're going to hatch anyway. Um, but I think the key thing is really the wind, well, strength, but more so direction as well. And predominantly, like with duck fly, it's not like the bigger buzzer in the summertime, it's Pacific to areas, so basically they're called duck holes. But yeah, I was going to say that you mentioned holes earlier on. I was yeah, deep area, deep, deep weedy areas of water, like to just have that name. But um, because they're not big, Mike, they're not. Some of them are like some duck holes can be very, you know, can be ten yards square. Like, do you know what yeah. I mean? They're you know some of them aren't big. You're not talking about big areas. You know, you're talking about. A lot of them are in around shallows, you know what I mean, and where you have where you have just kind of a, a deep hole in around shallows at times, you know what I mean. A lot that's why the duck fly is more more Pacific. Local knowledge is vital in it. Mm. You yeah, know, it is, you might know in, in an area you might know thirty duck holes, yeah. and on any given day, maybe only five of those are producing fish. Mm. It's very interesting because uh, it's good because like. Mike fishes, well, not the complete lower part of the lake, but Mike is closer down to Birch Hall, Mike Cullen. Mm-hmm. And I fish tours. And it's like, basically, in a lot of respects, it's the same lake, but it's like two different lakes. But it's really good when we fish together, when I fish down with him, because I would know, like Mike said there, there might be 30 duck holes he'd know in his area. I would know maybe five or six of them. Or maybe, maybe 10 of them, Okay maybe a bit more. And the same for Mike when he comes up and fishes here. He know a few of them around here. But because I'm here all the time, and, and that's what he said about the local knowledge, I know extra ones. And uh, another thing as well, that I find as well, Mike, uh, we've said this before, they don't always produce every year. So you have to check them. No. You, you go back to a place. Because that, that's always going to ask you, to, like say, if there's 30 duck holes, right? Mm. And you're saying five or six might only be producing. Do you have to like literally go out in the boat and you're going around <laughs> literally checking the 30 to cut, or do you have an idea most years, this time of year, these five or what will be? No, not specifically. No, no, I can't. I mean, you can go into like the thing with the duck fly is like, it's, it's, that's why it's not alone is it the first kind of hatches of the year, but as, as well as that, it like it is, you know what I mean? It's, it, you know, it's very, you know, Pacific at times as well. You know what I mean? And you can go into some duck, duck hole areas and, there's plenty of fly hatching and mm. you won't get a pull of a trout. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can go into others where there's only a trickle of fly and the next thing you can get two or three fish in there. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it doesn't, it's, you really have to be out and you really have to be trying places and knowing them. And, you know, as I said to you, like if, if you're kind of confident enough in what you're doing, it, you eliminate those areas fairly fast because you know, what you're fishing is right. You know, the way you're fishing is right. And if you're not getting pulls, you're not getting takes, well, just fish aren't active there. Do you know what I mean? And, and that can be the case, you know? So you wouldn't stick around long. You'd, you'd head off quick. No, you wouldn't be sticking around long. No, you'd be, you know, if you know what you're doing is right, you'd be yeah. moving till you find See, if you locations do stick where, place, where fish are active, you know? Yeah. Cause if you stick in a place and there's nothing happening, you're, you, you're potentially wasting time. Hmm. So yeah, that's, what, I, that's cut, what I find. Cut your losses and check another place. Yeah, and you will get, like, as I said to you, even if it's a day you're out, and if you do narrow it down to a few places where, you know, fish are active, like, is you know, the, the main trick as well is, like, don't hammer them. 
because they're small areas. They're, 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 you know, and they're not big areas. And, you know, if you take a fish or two out of there, like you're going to cause a bit of disturbance, commotion. You can't, you're only going to get a certain amount of short drifts over those areas. They do. They you turn know, off. So you, yeah. You're going to put fish off. So, you know, if you move to somewhere else and maybe an hour later, come back there again, you'll probably have a good chance of getting another fish in it, you know, but if you if you sit in them and hammer them, you will put them off. Like so, you know what I mean. The fish are, you know, we often see it there. Like especially at the very very start of the duck flight, you know, it'll be flat calm in a place, and you'll see fish moving. You could see five or six fish moving, right? And it just a pin ripple comes across it. We're gone. Done. Yeah. Just it just and like it's amazing. Do you know what I mean? They just it'll just it'll just put them off. You know. It must be hard though, is it? It's getting that balance right between your catching fish. And then you have to reel in <laughs> and leave them like well, you, know? you kind of know yourself. You kind of get to know it after a while. That if you kind of know that if you rest that and leave it, it's worth it. Like. You're going to get more fish there again. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if you sit in it and hammer it, well, you're just going to spook them off. Like, you know what I mean? So, you know, it's shallow. Most of the areas like are shallow. You know what I mean? They're not very deep. So, you know, and like you will spook fish very easily there. Like, you know, yeah, you're talking generally about six to eight feet, Mike, aren't you? Yeah, six to eight it, feet, probably average, yeah. Yeah, you know? and a small area, so it's very easy. It's very easy to disturb them. Yeah, very easy yeah. to disturb them, yeah. And, you know, and as I said to you, sometimes, like, you might be only, especially in the early part of the duck fly, you, you could be only talking about corners mm. of a place, just a corner off an, off an island, and, like, there's fly hatching there, and those, and you see and fish are moving on them. But, like, if you go out, like, if, if there's a little breeze blown off that, like, those pupa may be drifting out and fish might be active on them for about 10 yards or so. But after that, like if you're out into more open water, they just, they just won't, you know what I mean? That the pupa isn't there and they're not going to be, they're not going to be feeding on them. You know, that's where people sometimes make a mistake is this, they, they catch a fish and they drift down out and they drift out and they drift out and it could be still in pretty okay water. And that maybe a week later will be fishing, but mm. at that time it's not, you know what I mean? And, that's the thing I was asking. Like, if it starts kind of March, when does the duck fly end? You're going to get about two weeks. You're looking at probably oh, short. Start, yeah, probably about two weeks. You're going to get about two weeks to two and a half weeks, depending on the weather. Again, do you know what I mean? It's very, very, very weather dependent. You'd very rarely have duck fly fishing uh, after the fourth or fifth of April. Wow. No, so it's really the, it, it signals the real start of the fishing so to speak like even though it's it does yeah it was the first real kind of hatch of, yeah. of flight yeah. do you know what I mean and well, you like, know you're fishing to, sometimes you're fishing once fish start moving and we're all the same everybody's the same you know that as well the same with you in the river Dara you see fish moving just gets you going. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, and that's what the duck fly does. Yeah, yeah. It gets fish moving and that gets us going. Yeah you know? it's like you feel like the yeah. water's come to life again Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. See, normally, normally, like this time of the year, like well, last year being an exception. Normally, like with like okay, take this winter for instance, is that like we've you know we've had good high water there at times, no well, mad floods or anything, but it's been good and high. Um, you know, we've had a good bit of cold, cold weather and that. You know, so you'd be hopeful that fish will be hungry, fish fish will be active. You know what I mean? That they're like they've you know the water should have cooled down a fair bit, so they're. You know, they will have the year last year was an exception from the point of view that we had low water all winter and it was mm. extremely mild. I mean, I had one morning last year, last winter, previous to this one, where actually 
there was a bit of frost on my car in the morning time where actually you'd be saying better watch the road going up you know what I mean one one morning or the whole winter like the, the lake never rose all winter long we went out 15th of February last year and it was at summer level as a result though Mike and Tom when the, when it's mild like that does the duck fly hatch earlier then or is the temperature generally only in sometimes, summer sometimes sometimes it does it's it it's very very hard to put a handle on to be honest with you it probably won't slow it down unless you had a load of snow this year and you had a lot of cold water coming down from the mountains into the lake to really cool it down I think that would slow things down maybe for a week or so but other than that I don't think it puts it off you know what I mean you're you're looking sometime between probably for it to really kick off any probably time between the 17th and the 22nd yeah it's that actually kind of, it's interesting now and we've talked about different parts of the lake we're probably a couple of days earlier up here, Mike. Be a little bit earlier up your way. Yeah, yeah a little gas. bit earlier up yeah. your way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as a rule, it would be. Yeah, you get a few days like normal indoors. You'd get probably Paddy's Day. We've seen a lot of the time we've had duck flying Paddy's mm. Day. Yeah. Um, whereas down the lake, then it gets probably. If I was, if I was to be honest, I would be saying probably the twentieth, twenty second, that kind of time. Yeah. Uh, more so, you know. As it goes on, because there are places that it does hatch that bit later. There is, yeah. Uh, and even here in Doors, there's a couple of places I would know that as the duck flies goes on, and I'm going into April, there's a couple of places I'll try because over the years I know it's it's slightly deeper here. And and it might be just that, but they're always a couple of days, maybe even a week later then. So yeah, no I think maybe slightly, if you have slightly deeper water, I think it does it, just mm. slows it maybe a little bit as well, you know. And what's the kind of average size of fish you'd be catching? Depends on the part of the lake you're in, to be honest with you, you know. I mean, where I am, probably two pound yeah. is probably an average fish. Yeah. You're to be probably straight about it, probably about two pounds is probably an average fish, you know. But it's up with me, then you'd probably be looking, well, duck like it can vary, but you could have it up as a pound three quarters sometimes. It's generally. Generally a pound and a half. Good stamp of fish up here. Not as not as big as parts of the lake that Mike is talking about there, but still still decent enough. Yeah. And then, yeah. then there are certain areas up here that have fish equally as good as where Mike is. But I, I yeah. can't say that on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, like it's an average. If you if you want to, I suppose an overall average, two yeah. pound, two and a quarter, you know what I mean? Is a kind of an average, but like I suppose you would get a, you know, a bigger standard of fish in general, you know. Mm. But as Tom says, there is areas and bays then where, you know, just I don't, for whatever reason, you know what I mean, you would get slightly bigger fish, but, you know, parts of the lake, but not always, like, you know. So, mm. you know, there is some places you would expect a better quality fish, but it's not always the case, you know. How many on the cast? I normally fish about a 20-foot cast. And uh, and four buzzers. Well, eight foot four four four. Yeah, probably about that. Yeah. yeah, probably about four foot space between the flies. If you go any more than that, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle with landing a fish on your tail fly. Really, you know. Mm. I have a float line all the time for me anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I always fish a float line. Fluorocarbon leader. They're the, like a lot of the areas you're fishing are quite shallow. You know, they're not deep areas, you know what I mean? So, like, you'd often be, if you, like, if you fish moving in front of you, like, you'd normally be just casting, you know what I mean? And, you know, your flies wouldn't have dropped 
six inches, eight inches, like by the time, you know what I mean, you'll get a take of a fish, you know. Because fish are moving high in the water, you know. The other the other thing that, like, about that is that, like, in the even time, as Tom will tell you there, you, like, once the time changes, really, I, I do find, you know, once the time changes early in the marches, you get a bit of a stretch. Like, you have some brilliant dry fly fishing. Mm, Absolutely yeah. brilliant yeah. dry fly fishing. Especially later in the duck fly, because you've got more adults. There's more adults, you know, egg laying females goes out in even time onto the water, you know. And uh, that really brings on a, if you get a nice bammy mar, in the March evening, you know, where it just, it's nice and calm and it's, it's mild. You can have some exceptional dry fly fishing in the, in those conditions. Yeah. We've had some cracking fishing, Mike. Oh, We've brilliant fishing. Yeah, yeah. Some brilliant fishing. Like, and just really small, like size 16, 18 dries, like, you know. And it must be a lovely time because it's not as busy. It's not as busy, yeah, yeah. You can, well, in fairness, now, like a lot of lads now will might be after like, this a lot episode. More guys got to know the car, <laughs> and the, there's a lot more guys kind of like are you know fishing it, like you know, so like duck fly, it does it does kind of signal the start of the fly fishing, really, you know. Mm. Is that yeah? Like, what, a lot of people it, will. It'd never like it'd never be as busy as mayfly there, but there'll be a fair few boats out. Yeah, Probably, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, you go few out, but like the nice thing about the even is that. Like when you're beside the lake, it's brilliant because mm. you can come home from work and you can say, "Oh, tonight's even this evening." Actually, I'll I go for I go to from seven o'clock till yeah, it'll probably be dark around half eight or something. The time change, so yeah, it's only, half eight, so. you need the time to change because it does give you yeah. that extra time to get out. And leave. Yeah, you need the time to change. Yeah, that's normally Which I would always the last the la- then, you know. Yeah, the last Saturday in March. So depending on when that is, but you'll always get time. And once you get an evening. That, and as Mike said, they're a bit bammy, you know, just that it doesn't go cold. And if the wind drops, just pull yourself into any place where you'll see egg layers, that the, the adults. Actually, when you get really big hatches there, it's a great sight. It's like um, plumes of smoke above the island. Oh, my God. Yeah, mm. there's so many plumes of smoke. They're just in columns, right? Once you see that on an island, just pull into the lee and just wait. No way. Just wait yeah. to see it. So, like... For that time of the year, what you'd be talking like we we if we were doing a day, Mike, we'd fish straight line buzzers during the day, and then yeah. once the evening comes on, you'd have the dry fly rod set up, by weight rod set up, and just sit and wait, and that's it. So basically, and we didn't mention there, but you, we use fluorocarbon. We both use fluorocarbon, Mike and myself, for for the buzzers, and that sinks that bit quicker, so it gets your flies down. And your flies think, just drop down slowly, like through the through the water column, you know. And the four flies, Mike. They they sink they're all at different levels then. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you're they, getting yeah yeah yeah. Mm. So you can kind of like at a forty five degree angle there if you if you kind of imagine it. So like say that your your tail buzzer has reached the bottom of the lake or near enough the bottom of the lake, so it's coming up in kind of increments. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So you're pretty much like as I, as we said there, if you're fishing eight foot of water, you know you're for you know what I mean so your your flies are kind of spaced up along so yeah you often hit an angle about a 45 degree angle so you're pretty much covering you know a lot of different depths as well you know yeah yeah Yeah, your point fly sometimes Mike in eight to ten foot of water if it's not too windy your point fly will actually drag the bottom you'll feel it yeah but the the other flies are are fishing above that that's right yeah Mm. and do you generally find then if you're there's a certain depth that you, they latch onto that you're catching them at, like say it's the top drop or whatever, like 
Yeah, yeah, sometimes, yeah. If you, like, if you're getting a lot of fish again, like, if you're getting a lot of fish up high in your, on your top fly or your second fly, you know, sometimes not a bad idea is to put a floating pattern onto your on your point fly. So you actually fish kind of washing line style then, mm. you know what I mean? That you're kind of keeping all your yeah. all your flies relatively high, you know, in the water, you know. And in terms of the buzzers um that you're using, like is it just different colours, like in terms of what do you what do you basically to be honest with you, for duck fly, black and silver is predominantly mm. you know, you have different yeah. chiefs, colours, oranges, reds, and stuff like that, you know what I mean? But you don't have to be, it's not. It's the pattern isn't mad specific, to be honest with you. I, I think eerie is, is is more important than that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, than yeah. than the actual patterns of the flies. Like, like there's a lot of good buzzer patterns out there now. Like it's not like it was years ago where a handful of people knew about this. Like everybody <laughs> is barely, you know, there's a lot of guys out there now and a lot of guys catching fish on buzzers and fair play and you know, it's. I think it's developed over the years. In fairness, you know what I mean. There's a lot of good guys out there fishing buzzers now. I don't think it's, you know, probably if you had asked everybody to put their patterns on the table, there probably wouldn't be a huge amount of difference in the whole lot of any of them. To be honest with you, you know what I mean. So, but really, you're you're talking about like kind of like, you know, I suppose silvers and blacks really for bodies and stuff like that. And you know what I mean with kind of like orange red cheeks. Like if you look at the duck fly when it's hatching out of the water like you get this kind of like as, as it's coming out of the water you know attach it, it you get this real vibrant orange mm. you know as the blood comes into the into the body of it you know what i mean and it's so really like, prominent to see mike isn't it even like oh yeah yeah if you see them actually hatching it's amazing this it's just not like little sticks and then yeah as you see them hatch out of the water you get this big bust of orange you know and i suppose that's you know so you know if you look at a buzzer like uh from a duck fly buzzer like a you know pupa stage like you know what i mean it's normally got kind of anything from you know a strong yellow to a, an orange cheek color you know how long has buzzer fishing been going on in carb and where's the influence for it well the influence would have come from the english reservoirs yeah. really to be honest um how long it's going on for one thing not really i mean i i remember winning competitions on buzzers and probably early 2000 on Carob. So, you know, and I wouldn't be the first one that was doing it. So, you know, like I guiding back then around 2098 on, I suppose that kind of time, um, we'd have been guiding a lot of guys from the UK and like I guys that came out and, you know, were fishing buzzer patterns. Like prior to that, like you'd be fishing small wets, small wet patterns and emergers and stuff like that, you know, but, um, that's really kind of where it kind of came from, you know, and then you would have had a certain amount of anglers, I suppose, fishing internationals going away, you know, coming back with different patterns and different techniques, you know, that was working on the reservoirs and implementing them here and trying them here. So that's where it kind of would have developed from, you know? Yeah. Cause the reason why I wanted to ask you was kind of when it was introduced was like, you know, Tom, I, like going back to the nineties or the eighties, was it lads were fishing wets, but I suppose was the catches as good then? Were they as good? Yeah, uh, yeah, they probably were, but only when you were only fishing wets, you needed conditions perfect all the time. So you don't remember the days you went out that uh, it was a bit too windy for your wets, or a bit too the opposite actually. But there was no wind. I mean, the beauty of buzzers is you can fish your fly, present your flies perfect when it's flat cap because they're an under, right? So um, 
So were the lads targeting the duck fly back then as well? Yeah. But just well, like, with flies that weren't as... Uh, the only thing is, I look back, you probably look at your wet fly pa- or duck fly. Uh, let me say this. It's a bit of a duck fly wets back then, Mike. Mm-hmm. They were very sparse. Okay. Now, let's yeah. be honest. They were really sparse. Like I used to fish a blay and black that were hardly anything in it. A slip of a wing, hardly no body, little rib, and a, a two strands of a tail. But the other thing was, Mike, we, we the, the retrieve was dead slow. Yeah. The retrieve was almost like a buzzer retrieve. You did not fish them. You didn't fish them fast at all. That's right. So, you know, I mean, were those flies being taken high in the water as pupa patterns probably were, yeah. you yeah. know? So, but just as advanced as it's got more advanced, you know what I mean? And I suppose the thing about the buzzer, because you're in, you're closely representing the natural instinct insect, is that you are getting more fish, probably better quality fish, larger fish, you know? Mm, yeah. You know, the competitions have changed here then over the years as well. Like back in the day, at one stage, you're on a 12 inch size limit, you know what I mean? Now you're on a 13 inch limit, you're four fish bag. So, you know, in a lot of competitions, I mean, you can you can come in with four four pound fish, or you can come in with four three pound fish. Do you know what I mean? It's a big difference weight wise. Do you know what I mean? So, you know that has pushed on as well advancements as well. Do you know what I mean? Because obviously, you know you have to target with it with a four fish bag limit. You know you're targeting better quality fish. You know, I don't know if you can even measure it. Like, was there skepticism at the time when you know? These lads are coming in with their fancy buzzers, like you know. Probably still is to this day. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think, Mike? <laughs> now, I'm trying to. I'm trying to peel back the layers here of what it's really about. <laughs> I suppose, like anything, there's there'll always be resistance to anything new from certain quarters. I put that as yeah. eloquently as I can. <laughs> Yeah, you're always, look, I suppose if you look over fly fishing history, there's always been changed. You know what I mean? Like, if so, I mean, I think that's all part of it at the end of the day. You know, I mean, just to go off field a bit like we, we've had this chat recently, Tom and myself, and says, like, there's an awful lot more like late in the season last year, um, where the fishing wasn't great, but like I fished a lot of lure patterns now. Yeah. I had huge follows and interest to fish. I didn't. I caught a few fish. Didn't catch anything spectacular, but the amount of interest I had would have me trying it again this year. Mm-hmm. And is Very that just is that just the way the lake is developing? And I mean, I seen last summer in the lake during the summer. I remember pulling into one island one day around July, maybe early August time, and literally the whole shoreline was full of roach fright. Like, literally, there was thousands of them. Mm. I mean, we'll say up to about five centimetres. Um, so, like, are fish feeding on them more so now? Well, personally, I think they are. You know, I mean, as I said, it's very hard to go by last year because it was a it was a very strange year from start to finish. Um, but the amount of interest from fish was, would you would take note of it. So, like, there's always developments. There's always something. There's always somebody trying something. There's always, and that's the way it should be, to be honest with you. Like, that's that's how things develop, you know? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting, Mike, because, sorry, Darren, but I was with you one of those days that were at the follows, and we both came away thinking, we're nearly there. 
we got to tweak something. Mm. You yeah, know, yeah, but nearly there. We're getting we're getting the interest, but we're not converting them into into solid hits, solid takes, or or, or yeah, fish yeah, exactly, yeah. But you know, maybe that was just you know last year, as I said to you, was one of those kind of head scratchers. Anyway, to be honest with you, just yeah, you know, it just didn't really happen anywhere in any league. So you know. No, I was going to say, like, it's, it's interesting, though, that you were talking about the skepticism around the buzzer. I can understand when it was first introduced, but I, I, I kind of got the impression nowadays that it's just accepted now for Duck Fly that time of year. Like, is it? Yeah, it's probably an advancement, like like everything else. You know what I mean? People, I mean, you know, things change. That's the way it, that's the way the world is. Like, I mean, a lot more people fishing dries now than there was do you know what I mean? Even 10 years ago, do you know what I mean? So like, there's a lot more, I think, I think the angler now, and even in general, I think he's better informed. I think he wants, you know, there's a lot more information out there if he wants to get it, do you know what I mean? Um, Like don't, you know, so I, I think like the guys that are fishing now, I think the vast majority of guys fishing now are interested. Um, They're interested in the lakes. They're interested in, you know, you know, they're interested in the care of the lakes, they're interested in, you know, they're interested in their patterns, they're interested in catching, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, nobody wants to be going out every day and not catching. Like, so, you know. I suppose, Mike, you, you've kind of been forced, haven't you, because it's, the numbers aren't there or whatever, or they're getting harder to catch or they're getting smarter, whatever it is. You, The anglers have had to up their game as a result. Yeah, I think it's just like everything else. I think there's change. There's change in the lakes as well. I think there's plenty of fish in the lakes. Uh, if, I, if I'm perfectly honest with you, there's, I don't think there's any shortage of trout. Uh, but I think the, I think fish are, you know, they're changing their habits slightly as well. Mm, yeah. So, you know, I mean, you know, and look, you have to look at it as the end that you have invasive species, whatever you want to call them there in, 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 you know, you have a lot more perch, you have a lot more roach, you know, as well. Um, so like when you see in the middle of the summer, like pulling in the shore of an island over five thousand fry shooting off, well, you know, that has to have an effect. That's just one island and one shoreline. Like that's not just there. That's every yeah. island. It's, yeah, it's, it's telling you something, like, isn't it? Use your eyes it's and ears. Like... Something. So that's why I kind of like started trying these like last year. I said Thomas is like definitely like this is, you know, for a bit you know, and like the amount of like like fish were in a, you know, you had a lot of follows, you had a lot of interest to fish, you know what I mean? So, you know, that tells you the fish are, you know, and fish you've caught as well by spooning them, like they have fry in them, do you know what I mean? So predominantly, I think later in the season now, I think, I think like a few years ago, there was more sedge, you know, there was more insect life, you know, but I think the last few years, definitely like there's been an awful lot more, fry in the lakes you know what i mean then and fish aren't as you know you're not getting fish up top of the water as regular as you would before i won't say they're not but not as regular as they were before you know actually so it I, makes it go on, Tom, sorry. yeah it just follows on the point there like so if you're out in july and there's a load of fry not on the sedges you know why should you be persisting with the team of welshmen but pulling it through the top when if you put on some lures and fish just in under you know What's the phrase from Einstein, isn't it? The definition of bandits is doing the same thing and expecting different results, isn't it? Results, yeah, very much. Yeah, yeah. so like that's just maybe not maybe the case, but, you know, will you see in a few years' time that, you know what I mean, you're getting better results on fry patterns mm. late in the year than you traditionally would have had top of the water on sedge patterns. Like We're that. seeing that with fry patterns at the moment. And 
like to be honest, a buzzer fishing twenty years ago is a response to the fact that it's probably an increase in the amount of buzzer in the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, now, myself and Mike have had this discussion before that we may we do wonder whether there's an actual decrease in the amount of buzzer in the lake at the moment since the advent of the zebra mussel. Like, for example, yeah. the Camto buzzer, which is the next buzzer, which we haven't got around to, um, like that hatch could normally, Mike and I remember, last in three, four weeks. Even longer, probably. Even longer. doesn't have, there's no length. Now, the numbers are really down. It's still there, and you still get good fishing. Mm. But uh, I think it always was. Like, traditionally, it always was. Like, that buzzer was always there in the summer. Mm. But, you know, I think the... It was there, but maybe prolifically for maybe a couple of weeks. And then over time with, you know, enrichment, water quality, whatever, you know, I I think then it went prolific for a while. But I think now it's with the zebra, whether it is the zebra muscle or whatever, it's definitely the water clarity has improved in the lake. Mm. Um, whether that's masking something else or not, who knows. But definitely like the summer buzzer hatches are not as prolific as they were. Do you know what I mean? But say ten years ago. What about the duck fly hatches? Duck fly is a different type of buzzer. You see, it's more. I suppose the duck fly was always there. It's 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 kind of like an it's kind of like the olives. It's kind of like the mayfly. You know what I mean? It hatches at the start of the year. It, yeah. You know, it's it, it was all it was always kind of there in those numbers. You know, I think it was the summer buzzer really that wasn't there yeah. for as long and in those numbers. And think that that exploded for a number of years, but. I, seems to be kind of declined a bit the last few years, you know? Isn't that fascinating in itself, though, how some flies, some hatches are mm. remain strong and yet others are, you know? Yeah, well, I suppose some of them are going back to the way they were, not so maybe they were strong for the wrong reason. Yeah. Poor water quality, you know? Yeah, that's yeah. very true, actually. Yeah, it's... It, it's, yeah. it's fa- and, and what I find fascinating about it as well is it's, it's not like you can say, right, here's one, you know, hatch, here's what it is. It's going to be the same. <laughs> every... Yeah. every Example is different, and every time of year is different. Every context is different, and there's so many yes. moving parts to it, isn't it? Like, sure, it was the same all the time. Be no crack here. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that's why they call it fishing and not catching. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We'd have nothing to talk about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, fair point. We'd find something. Oh, we'd find something there. Without a doubt. Uh, right, Mike. Before we go, the last time you were on with us, we hadn't started. We hadn't started our regular feature, and now that you're back with us, we're going to. It's actually, the reason we got you on, Mike, we didn't really want to talk about the stuck fly. No, we just, just yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew there was a catch. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> a catch. Speaking of catches, so Mike, I want to ask you, what is your most memorable fish on the fly? Oh, Jesus! I'd have to. That is hard to quantify. To be perfectly honest, but I will say. The year I won the World Cup on mask, it was, to put it just a quick story, was the morning we went out, I knew exactly where the World Cup was going to be won. I didn't know who was going to win it, obviously, but I knew exactly where it was going to be won. And I said to my boat partner on the day, I says, look, where I wanted to go. He was in agreement. I says, just one thing. I says, we're staying there for the day. I says, we're not leaving it for the day. And he says, fair enough, that's grand. So we went over across the lake anyway, and I had a fish at quarter past 12. And my boat partner had a fish at half 12. And I didn't meet another fish that day till three o'clock. And between three o'clock 
and half five, I boarded another nine fish and four of them measured. And my last fish, because it was a four fish kill that time and you're, you're on catch and release after that. I knew it was going quite well. The Bush Telegraph was <laughs> around and most of those, my boatman was getting a few phone calls saying, how's he going now? When are they getting on? And there's nobody catching and all the rest of it. I knew I was going fairly well. And about 20 past five, I had my fifth fish and he was a lovely fish. He was about 42 centimeters because we were measured at the time. I'd say he was two pound plus. And I just looked at him and I said, I'm not going to be far away today. <laughs> I suppose that is probably one of my most memorable fish anyway. Yeah. So it probably just does stand in my mind, you know. Yeah, yeah that was so, something else. I remember that day well, Mike. Fair play to you. Yep. Yeah, I said, I says, I think, I says, I'll be, I says, I'll be hair bet now. So and you turned out it wasn't. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> and what was it that led you to that spot? Probably the heat days. I'd been out all week and... um most of the heat winners were coming from that area. It was over around the, over around the college, over around Carrigan Lock area. And um, the one thing I did notice every day was that I found anyway on my boat and other boats from talking to lads was that the majority of the fish were being caught in the afternoon. And yeah, that's why that. yeah. I, I kind of said, right, look, there's bags of fish coming from here every day. Someone is definitely going to is going to click here. I said, and but the only thing I, I was, that's why I really wanted to get agreement that we were sticking it out for the day because, you know, in fairness to the other person as well, if you're there for a few hours and you're catching nothing, just, you know, they are quite easy. To yeah. Say, yeah. You know, I think we should try somewhere else, you know. So my main thing that day was, it was funny. It's just sometimes that when you're on the lake, sometimes you just know the areas, you just know where's fishing, you just know where to go, you know. Um, last year now in the World Cup I was boating in the final and uh, the lad that was with me I actually knew the area we'd been there a couple of days earlier there was fish there and I said look I can bring you somewhere I think I think you'll you'll get fish there do you know what I mean I think if we stick it out it's hard fishing but I think if you stick it out we'll get fish there fairness to me fished hard all day it was it was tough conditions you know what I mean and he ended up second so um Bit of lucky, backed a couple of fish as well. If another one of them, even a even a measuring fish, had measured, you know, even a measuring fish like one of those undersized was a measuring fish, he'd have won it. So, you know, it's just sometimes, especially in the deeps and the mask, it's there's areas that are fishing. You know, so I I just knew that area was fishing. And but the big thing, funny thing, and that I had remarked on on the previous days was definitely, I for me, the afternoons were fishing better than the mornings there. So that's once I had the agreement we're standing there for today, I said, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? I was happy enough, you know? You love it when a plan comes together. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And Sometimes it's certainly you have good. to go to plan B or C, but that's <laughs> <laughs> good. Plan A works as good. Uh, well done. Mike, thanks a million for joining us again. Um, fascinating finding out about the duck fly, and um, I'm sure um, people will be keen and eager now. Obviously, the season is starting next week on the 15th. Yeah, and, can't, uh, wait. can't wait. He isn't really looking forward to getting out. <laughs> it's the real Christmas for you <laughs> coming around. That's it. You, know? you can have Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, thanks a million for joining us. Thanks. Okay, tight lines, lads. Our thanks to Mike Heady for joining us on the show. And don't forget to rate, review, and follow the Ireland on the Fly podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. Plus, you can keep up to date on IrelandOnTheFly.com as well as on Instagram. And myself and Tom will be back with another episode about people and places of fly fishing in Ireland.